You're now tuned into the Morning Star Show with Super Size 75. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. Do some nigga shit. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody! You are now tuned in to the Super Sly Show. Oh, oh my goodness, one is going to be one of those nights. You are tuned in to the Morning Star Show featuring Super Sly seventy five seventy five. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to Ron the Board and our producer Cindy Ashby. You can find us on www.ontheWakeUpRadio.com. We are also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play for the repeats. Uh, the call-in number is 678-603-4393. You can find me on, uh, on YouTube on the Superslot 75. Also, merchandise is available at teespring.com forward slash Superslot 75. So, a lot of things going on. Um, I want to talk about, I know everyone's kind of already talked about it, but I want to kind of get a little bit more in-depth in it, the whole 5G the 5G basically is a, is a higher frequency of uh, radio waves that uh, all your telecommunications acts will be processing their signals through within the next six months to a year. Uh, a lot of your uh, cell phone companies are already putting up 5G towers or they're already converting old 4G lines for, to uh, be able to put out the, the higher signal. Uh, of course, with the higher signal, um, it will lead to, you know, uh, further radiation as far as the, the human body in contact. So uh, that is, it, it's happening now. Um, what you're seeing now with your 5G towers are being kind of disguised as like palm trees. I know out here on the West Coast, you have a lot of fake looking palm trees uh, that when they're actually disguised as, as for 5G towers. So basically, um, the 5G is getting the worst for a minute. So... Uh, it's called the subliminal acoustic manipulation of the nervous system, and it's a patent for it. Now, that patent for the 5G uh, patent was filed on October 31st of 1997. Its patent number is 6017302A. And what it is, basically, in a nutshell, it is a half a megahertz of sensory resonance that affects the automatic nervous system and can cause uh, certain reactions such as relaxation, drowsiness, sexual excitement. Uh, it can um, treat insomnia, night tremors, epileptic seizures, and anxiety disorders. Uh, also, further applications for it can be used for uh, non-lethal purposes such as disorientation. And another, probably the best prime example of a 5G weapon right now is the microwave gun. Uh, I'm not sure if people are aware about that but the, the military has a, a microwave gun basically it's this huge ray gun that's mounted on top of an APV and they use it for like crowd c- control or crowd dispersal uh, riots and things of that nature and what it basically does it fires microwaves at the uh, at the crowd uh, basically just imagine you're a microwave in your home and be able to fire the uh, the energy at a person and you can literally cook them if they if they're foolish, foolish enough to stand in in, in in for too long, the second non-lethal usage application for 5G would be the sound gun. Once again, another military application. 
Uh, basically, it would uh, fire sound waves at the intended targets, and you, different frequencies could either, you know, shatter your, or burst your eardrums or all types of uh, damage that way. I want to go over the patent points for the uh, the 5G application. So a couple of patent points. Um, the apparatus is used to manipulate the nervous system of subjects, and it says in the patent itself, subject having an ear. So this pretty much tells you this is for human use or human application to be used on humans. Uh, also, generating voltage, uh, voltage pulses, inducing at the ear subliminal atmospheric acoustic pulses with pulse frequency less than 15 megahertz. Uh, automatically control the voltage pulses. It can monitor the voltage pulses. It can also excite in the subject a sensory resonance at less than 15 megahertz. Also, another patent is for the casing to contain the generator for this uh, application. Also, generating as a gas jet, having a momentum flux, uh, said momentum flux, sub-audio acoustic pulses are also induced in the atmosphere. This is all part of the actual patent for the 5G. So this is not just for cell phone uh, communication devices, uh, things of that nature. They're gonna be playing with the atmosphere a little bit as well with this device as well too, so. Also, source of gas at a pressure different from ambient atmospheric pressure they can open on the uh, orifice for passing a gaseous flux also the patent for the method for remotely manipulating the nervous system of a subject in the course of law enforcement in a standoff situation uh, i guess the best uh, example would be the movie the kingsman how uh, sam jackson's character was able to uh, convert everybody's cell phones to emit a, a particular signal that would uh, induce everyone to go on a murderous rampage and kill everybody in sight. Okay, so that was just a basic premise of the 5G. <laughs> Anything they, they normally do always has a military application to it, but I want to get into uh, what I've seen a lot online is, I don't want to say misinformation, but I, I just want to say I, I see people just not doing the research and taking things at face value without doing the due diligence. And, and one popular topic, it's always popular, it, it, it never ceases amazing, is the Baphomet. You know, the, the image of the goat, with the, you know, with the figure, the androgynous figure with one hand in the air and one, one figure pointed down with the pentagrams and stuff like that. So for most people, the Baphomet, um, I guess if you don't know the history of it, would you be an eerie or weird feeling? Unfortunately, it has been associated with devil worship or Satanism when its true intent was never that, is not. Now, with anything in the occult or anything with religious doctrine, there's always bastardization. There's always corruptness. There's always proving of the original intent of these old ancient symbols. So, here how it starts, basically. Um, it, it, it all ties in, so just bear with me. So, the origins of Friday the 13th. Now, for those that don't understand the Friday the 13th, another occultic um, symbol or a time or a date. And most people think uh, Friday the 13th is a bad number or unlucky. Um, to a certain extent, it is. If you are a Knights Templar, you understand the significance of Friday the 13th. So on Friday the 13th, October, uh, Friday, October 13th in 1307, King Philip IV of France basically 
performing and, and, and executing the order 66 on all the French Knight Templars. He had a bunch of them arrested and charged with heresy. Uh, they were arrested and charged with 100 different uh, offenses and crimes. Basically, one of the main uh, issues they were arrested for was for worshiping the Baphomet and spitting on the cross. Now, the spitting on the cross is, that's debatable uh, throughout the history books. Some say they did, others say they didn't. But then one of the main charges was uh, worshiping the Baphomet. And um, what happened was when you, uh, when they, back then, when they launched an inquisition, and if you know what the inquisition is or what an inquisition is, basically it's outright torture, um, flat out murder, um, no holds barred. Basically, your people getting slaughtered. Uh, case in point, the Spanish Inquisition. All right, so during this time of the, uh, the Templars Inquisition, uh, under torture, because uh, they wanted to know what, why they worship the Baphomet so much and what did it really mean to them. So a lot of the, the Templars under torture would, you know, pretty much lie to get out of it, you know, to make the torture stop. So um, a lot of people with the Baphomet, you see the, the goat head. In actuality, it could have been, a, there's pictures of it being a cat, uh, there's pictures of it being a goat. There's also stories of the original head being the head of John the Baptiste, okay? So now, just keep in mind, these people are, are, are just literally being burned at the stake or burned in oil, and they'll say anything to, uh, to make the, the, the torture stop at that point. Um, basically, the Knights Templars were taught by uh, Franciscan uh, Acopis. I mean, if you don't know who they are, basically the people of color to a certain extent. And the original term, it was Mahomet. Now, Mahomet, there's two different stories, two, two different versions. First version, it was an ode to the Prophet Muhammad. Because the Knights Templars did mingle with Muslims. They were in Africa, they were in Europe. Um, they were pretty much everywhere at that point. Um, so, um, and also at one point, old pictures of the Baphomet had three heads or three faces and in three faces it's, it's you see it more and more now in, in popular culture uh, first example would be the quintessence from the Transformers and anybody that, that grew up watching the Transformers if you know about the quintessence they were the, the figures that initially created the Transformers they had three faces uh, one was anger the other one was indifference and the other was uh I forget the third version of the face. Uh, the, another popular culture of a character having three faces, if you watch He-Man, it was many faces. He had three different faces. Um, there's a saying in, in Japan, um, the first face you show the world, the second face you show your friends and family, but the third face you never show anyone. And that's your true reflection of who you are. Okay. So getting back to the history of the Baphomet, the first earlier mentions or the earliest mentions uh, of the Baphomet during the Crusades was July of 1098 in a poem. It was in a poem about the Seventh Crusade. There's another poem mention of the uh, Baphomet in the year 1250. They, these are all basic occult poems. You just want regular, um, smegular Shakespearean poems. These were actual occult poems and where they were always mentioned the Baphomet now, um, another poem, it was mentioned in 1195. So now that the most popular image you see of the Baphomet, it was created in 1856. So the image we see now was pretty much somewhat man-made to a certain extent. And the original uh, creator of, the, of that said image was Elisha Levi. He's basically responsible for the current image 
well, that the offering that you see now. Now, life was Levi. He was a hermeticist. He was a Kabbalist. Okay, he was the guy. This guy here. This, this guy predates Slavovsky. This guy predates Crowley. Okay, he actually inspired those two along with Pascal Beverly Randolph. But this guy here, when it comes to Western occultism, he's the one that brought over the tarot cards. So he's the guy that the tarot card usage, why we use it over here, because of him. Uh, he also heavily influenced the Golden Dawn, and he was a huge inspiration of Crowley. Now, another case in point as far as Levi's influence, uh, he was the first to declare the pentagram, the two points going up as evil. All right, so when you see the pentagram with the two points going up, that's him. He basically said this is how it's supposed to be. And now he also said the pentagram with two points going down or pointing down was a good thing. Now, for those that know their stuff and if you're a real life occultist, you know that's kind of mixed up. It's kind of backwards. And this is kind of some of the things that they do when these guys get to a higher level. They kind of make things either on the fly or they make things kind of suit their narrative. So now if you do a real pentagram, obviously you always have the two points going down. But... Um, now, the reason why they point down is those represent your, your ground elements, the fire and the earth. And then what you have at the top, the three, would be the water and uh, air elements that point up and outward. And the one at the very middle would be the spirit. So what you have is you have the five points, the two points down, the five elements. And intersecting those elements would be respect gratitude, compassion, and forgiveness. That is the basis of your pentagram. That, that means really just that simple. Um, once again, you see another bastardization of this pentagram. But when they invert it the other way, it's, it's the wrong way. The, the proper way is for it to be pointed two points down. Now, like I said before, all the Baphomet images always included having two heads or three faces. The two heads, uh, the most famous one is Janus. The one got Janus is where you get the month of January from. Which is where you get duality from. Well, a representation of duality for the most part. Uh, another image of the Baphomet had it with a beard. Interesting. Um, it always had an androgynous body. That's like the main staple, basically. And older images also have it with an androgynous body surrounded by serpents. Okay, now it also goes by another name called the Goat of Mendes. Now, why they choose the name of the Goat of the Mendes, well, the Greeks got a, once the Greeks got a hold of it, they kind of flipped it on, on, on their end as well. Now, Greeks held uh, male goats in high esteem. So your goats, your rams, uh, the, you know, in Greek mythology, they always held in, in pretty high, uh, high regard. So, um, and getting back to the Knights Templars, they had ties to the Holy Land. Um, as I said before, they mingled with Muslims. Uh, they were all throughout Europe and Africa, Middle East. And uh, the old legend is that they used to be bodyguards for Moses. That's the old story of how, what, how they basically came to be. At the end of the day, the Knights Templar were pretty much uh, a security force, a highly respected uh, security force. And I know that AME is doing a series on the, on the Templars, like uh, almost like a, a TV show version the history of the, of the Templars, and if you kind of want to know a half a half uh, truth about them, I would say you know watch that series. Um, there's a lot of truth, but then there's a lot of disinformation as well when it comes to the Templars. So back to uh, 
the Templar Inquisition, King Philip had also asked the Pope to officially disband the order and, com- and totally, completely bankrupt them, just, you know, officially disband them. And then the survivors at the time kind of were in the hiding. So now how this is kind of ironic because a few years ago, if people can remember, under uh, Pope Francis, I believe, he also was basically beefing with these new, these new Templars. And what ended up happening was Pope Francis had kidnapped one of these new Templars and they threw him in a prison. They tortured them, you know, pretty much killed them and they tortured them, tortured them and killed them, basically. And because part of the people in part of the, the, the Pope's team were fearing retaliation from the Templars, uh, they forced the Pope or kind of persuaded the Pope to file another, uh, uh, file an edict to kind of uh, demonize them and say, hey, you, you know, we're cutting off all ties to the Templars. Now, in response to the Templars, they are part of the reason why you have Trump in office. And I said this time and time again, when they first put Trump in the office, I said he's backed by parts of the, of the order of the Brotherhood, and he's, he's backed, partially backed by these new Templars. The Templars have never um, gone away, per se. The best way I can describe the Templars is when the Jedi, if you watch the Star, Star Wars movies, is when the Jedi got, you know, when the uh, Emperor said, you know, execute Order 66, whoever survived, they went into hiding and, uh, you know, kept the teachings kind of to themselves, which, you know, the people, when they had a chance, couldn't remember. So now what you have is this brand new uprising of these new Templars. And like I said, this is why, you know, no one's made a move on Trump and they're not going to because Trump is out here really, you know, upending the, the Chargers table to a certain extent. He's really disrupting what's Obama and the Bushes and Reagan had set in place in Clinton for the last 20, 24 years. So this is part of the reason why there's so much discord and rancor amongst the uh, the elites over Trump uh, because they, they they want him out of there so bad, but they know if they touch him, they'll be held to pay basically in, a, in the nicest way of me saying it. Um, <laughs> so um, getting back to the bottom man. So now the, the infamous words uh, on the Baphomet, you know, and I'm not even into the as above, so below. I want to talk about the Latin phrases on its forearms. It is solve coagula, right? It means to join together and take apart. <clears throat> and what's the significance of that? You asked. Uh, did you ever find out the Latin words made the Ouija board? I got an internet question. Have not, but I have to look into that. So let me get back into uh, the solve coagula. Now, coagula, for most people, you think blood or blood clots. It's a little bit deeper than that. Um, where have you heard the word coagula from? I'm sure you have, but you just don't remember. It was in the movie Get Out. And in the movie Get Out, uh, that whole system they had in place of kidnapping the brothers and, and you know transferring the consciousness, it, the, the company was called the House of Coagula. Now, if you remember the story in the in the movie, the grandfather lost the 36 Olympics to Jesse Owens, and he never got over it. And so he was the one that started the cult, basically of kidnapping the you know the biggest, the best, strongest blacks, and that's and replacing their consciousness that way. So that's where you get the coagula from. Um, everything has a tie or has a meaning. Uh, as, as brilliant as people think these Hollywood writers and producers are, it's all old stuff. They, they kind of rehash or they kind of reveal to you in small doses. 
So now the the proper meaning of the Baphomet basically it indicates a learned man. Okay. Now there's debate on what what learned part of it is or what it means refers to. But for the most part, what I've researched and what I've been told by by higher ups, it refers to levitation. And I know it sounds weird, but just walk with me for a quick second. So basically, um, it's an ode to the masters that were able to build these huge monuments without uh, scores of men and all these materials. Like they used to tell you how the, the Egyptians built the pyramid. It took 20,000 men so many hundreds of years and all these moving these blocks with pulleys and levers. To my my best estimate, that never took place. And I'll lay out my reasons why I think how the pyramids got built, like Stonehenge, to a certain extent. So, um, <clears throat> so like like the huge monuments without machinery usage, levers or pulleys, uh, basically, you know, giving an ode to the early Egyptians. Now, a few people have kind of stumbled onto this. But in masonry, it's, it's a pretty guarded secret. But the main thing is, um, there's one particular guy. His name was Ed Leedscallon. And he created a, a little monument city in Florida, okay? With no help from anybody. No one helped this man create anything at this point. It's called the Coral Castle in Florida City. He, this guy, Ed, was a, uh, this, he's a little man. He's only five feet tall. Okay, he was from Latvia, and he immigrated over here, and he was going to build this castle um, as an ode to his his, uh, his his woman that was still back over in Latvia, but she ended up rejecting his marriage proposal, and so he kind of just threw himself into his work, okay? Um, he discovered how to redirect the, the forces of gravity using Earth's magnetic forces uh, via hyperdimensional physics. And what I'm saying is, basically, his castle, the Coral Castle in Florida City, is perfectly aligned with the North Star. All right? He built a sundial with this, in this particular monument that's pretty much accurate within two minutes okay, of actual time. Um, one particular monument piece is called the Moon Pad, and the Moon Pad itself has three 18-ton pieces of coral. Now, mind you, like I said, no one, no one by, nobody helped this man build this. Now, you have these huge pieces of coral that weigh thousands upon thousands of pounds. You have this little bitty man that stands at five feet who could barely speak a look of English. But yet, he somehow built this monument that, to this day, you can still go down to Florida and see for yourself. He's held in high, high, high regard. So now, uh, let me get to his monument pieces. He has an obelisk that stands at 40 feet tall. The obelisk is estimated to weigh between 58 and 60,000 pounds, okay? He has a, well, there's a thousand pound rocking chair that can be rocked with just one finger, okay? Now, I'm not, this is not just conjecture. These are actual documented instances with this, with this man's monument, okay? That anyone can go look up for themselves and fact check. All right, so other pieces we have. Now, it's been reported that they brought psychics there, sensitive people and those that went to go visit the site they all end up recording having headaches or, and migraines some would throw up some would lose uh, they would temporarily go blind when they went to this particular site 
Now, the original site um, was in the 1920s. He moved the site to another location sometime in the 30s. Now, once again, he moved the site. The, the site is documented. He actually moved the entire site by himself at night. Okay. Um, the entire monument basically is 1,100 tons of coral rock. The, that's the grand total weight of his monument, his little city. Okay. So now, in interview, he had said basically all matter consists of magnets, which can be which can produce measurable phenomena or electricity. He says, uh, you know, I rediscovered the laws of weight, measurement, and leverage. Okay. He also claimed he could see people's auras. He could see beads of light. He, could see, he said he could see energy beams from the ground. Um, at one point, neighbors reported seeing him singing to the stones. Like he would put his hands on the stones and say these high-pitched squeals and these songs to the stones. Uh, at one point, a group of teenagers had reported seeing him make the coral rock float through the air. Okay. Um, in his notebooks, he had schematics for magnetism and electrical experiments. But the tricker or the kicker is he only had a fourth grade education. And he wrote a bunch of theories on magnetism and cosmic forces. Uh, his books are still available on PDF uh, if you can find them. Now, there is a, a well, not a theory, but there's a, there's an, a, a scientific idea. Um, it's called a planetary grid. And what the planetary grid does, it hypothesizes that the Earth is covered by spider webs of energies with specific uh, concentration points. Sort of like ley lines, but it has concentrated fixed points. Okay. Uh, one researcher, BJ Cassie, he's an expert on grid dynamics. He stated that there exists an all encompassing global grid with direct harmonic relationships to speed, light, gravity, magnetics, and Earth's mass. Uh, that that control or the control manipulation of these forces would make it possible to instantaneously move mass from one point to another point in space and time. So all those old interest stories of people there to move heavy objects with no help, uh, it, it gives credit to this is how they're doing it. So if you're able to catch a specific a uh, a specific uh, ley line or a point or a fixed point of energy, and if you know how to, if you, your math is pretty on spot on with leverage and magnetics, and you could possibly, in theory, move heavy objects uh, from one point to another. This is part of what I, I how I believe that the um, pyramids were built. Okay, of course, it's never been proven; it'll never be proven because, as, you know, you gotta understand with all magnetic magnetic forces, they always shift, they always change over time, but Getting back to uh, my point with this. Okay, let me see what else he said. Okay, so they took measurements um, from the, from his this coral city castle, and they measured against the uh, they lined up with the grid pole A, and it states that the site is, is in an ideal position for the harmonics to manipulate uh, energy of anti gravity. Okay. Uh, another researcher, Richard LaForce Clark, states that the Earth is made up of a network of roughly 20 to 24 magnetic reversal points. These points are known as the diagmagnetic vortex points. Okay. 
There's a book called Anti-Gravity and the World Grid Clark. Uh, it mentions the area of South Florida at the Coral Castle. This castle is considered part of the Bermuda Triangle. Now, that's an old wives' tale. But after I was doing the research, now I could see why he would be able to do this and move these objects at that particular point where the, where the city is located. If you look on the, the Florida map, uh, you can see where the uh, Coral City is located. And you can see it pretty much fits right into the uh, Bermuda Triangle area. Okay. Now, it's said that Reed Gallon could also levitate the huge pieces of coal by using the center of mass for the needed slight upshift launching pressure. This is what is called party levitation. Okay. Ed was a geomancer. And a geomancer is basically one who could sense, you know, forces of the earth. It's how he's able to see, you know, energy, energy beams from the ground, uh, people's aura, um, chakra points, things of that nature. Um, so what we're surmising that he basically discovered a vortex energy and was able to harness the, the energy using uh, magnetism to, um, to move these objects. Now, unfortunately, Ed died in 1951 and never revealed his secrets to anybody, okay? But there was a plaque that was found in his bedroom and it inscribed, it said, the secret of the universe is 7129 slash 6105195. That is a sequence of numbers, not just any sequence of numbers, but this is the prime meridian um, numbers, okay? Now, if you play, play math enough with these numbers, you'll come up with a uh, code 144. Now, code 144 is basically um, it's Mason talk on how to build ether-based Masonic technologies, okay? So what are ether-based Masonic technologies? Well, they comprise of gravity control, human energy body, time, space, atoms, elements, and black holes. Okay, so now the most famous masters that, that honed this craft included Edward Scallon, Victor Rebenovikov, and George Herzog. Now, George, George Herzog is pretty interesting. He decorated the, the, the Philadelphia Grand Lodge in Philly. He decorated the Norman Hall, and if you've ever been there, you, you see why it's, it's, it's highly regarded amongst all the grand lodges in the country. Um, he decorated the hall, but the architect was James Windrum. Now, both, mind you, both these guys were initiated. These guys were Masons. Ed was not, okay? So now, here we're going to make the correlation between his grand lodge and what Ed did with his city in Florida. Now, <laughs> let me see. Bear with me. I'm just going to do this. Okay. So, now once you enter the Coral Castle, the theme, right, there's an admission sign, and it says admission, right? It used to say admission 10 cents. Now it says ADM, that's Adam, dog, mother. That's ADM. Now, if you run ADM uh, in the code in the generator, it gives you 144, okay? Short for Adam. And you, if you know Adam, we know we're referring to atoms, like the molecules, and not so much the first man, rather. Okay? Now, it is said there's apparently 24 north and 24 southern poles, which gives us 48 streams of magnetism. Okay? Code 44 relates to the golden ratio, the square root of pi, prime quadruplets, and a 16-folding square. Okay? 
So let's just say, for example, we have, we're taking a North Pole and we have 24 points. And at those 24 points, you set them at 15 degrees apiece. That gives you 360 degrees, okay? Now your first 24 prime numbers are going to be uh, 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, 19, 23, 29, 31, 37, 41, 43, 47, 53, 59, 61, 67, 71, 73, 79, 83, and 89. Now, I mentioned that, just remember, I just said 83, okay? So, now, the Grand Pyramid of Egypt has a slope angle of 51.83 degrees, okay? Uh, your Masonic compass is, set at, is usually set at 44.5 degrees, with each point set at 27.5 degrees of peace, okay? Now, when you divide um, 44.5 by 27.5, you get the square root of pi at 1.618. That is one of the square roots of pi. And there's other square roots that they use as well too. That's 2.2678 and also 1.1 or 1.618. These are basically um, uh, codes that you would implement in your measurements to do all this with what this guy just did. Now, this is exactly the, the formula that George Herzog used to decorate the, uh, the Grand Lodge in Philly along with James Windsor. Now, mind you, the lodge is, you know, 10 times older than what uh, Leeds Gallon's Coral City, uh, Florida monument is. Now, you must ask yourself, how was it this guy from another country with a fourth grade education was able to mathematically be so precise to match the Grand Lodge in Philadelphia when it comes to, when it came to making his uh, particular monument? Okay, so obviously he moves something and he was you know rather learned for what you know his skill set implied so um, <clears throat> i ran my mouth a little bit so yo let me do this let me go ahead and take a quick break and i'm gonna come back to my second topic all right got all right cool all right you're now tuned back into the morning star show featuring super slot 75 i am your gracious host super slot 75 shout out to ron the boards our producer cindy ashley you can also find us on www.onthewakeofradio.com We are also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play for the repeats. The call-in number, once again, is 678-603-4393. You can find me on YouTube under the SuperSlot75 banner. My merchandise is also available at teespring.com forward slash SuperSlot75. <clears throat> so this next set of uh, notes, I'm just going to bounce around real quick. So I'm a history buff. I love history. I'm a student of learning. And one thing I've always wanted to know was during World War One, they always referred to certain countries as the axis of evil. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why they were always referred to as these countries as the axis of evil. All right. So I did some digging around and I looked up certain emperors or certain rulers of these countries during that time of the, uh, of the war. So the first one I'm going to go with is Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin was uh, his conception occurred while the sun was in Aries uh, and the sun entered in Sagittarius with the moon in Aries and now the next one is Benito Mussolini Mussolini was conceived while the sun was in Sagittarius which also resulted in the birth when his sun entered Leo with his moon being in Gemini okay the next one was FDR his conception occurred while the sun was in Gemini and resulted in the birth of him being when the sun entered Aquarius with his moon being in Cancer. 
uh, let's see, Emperor Hirohito conception occurred when the sun was in Virgo, which resulted in his birth when the sun entered Taurus with his moon being in Virgo. And last but not least was Adolf Hitler. Uh, conception occurred when the sun was in Virgo and his birth was when the sun entered Taurus with his moon being a Capricorn. Now, the women, these five women, uh, you would think had no ties in the relations, but they were all, uh, they wouldn't be the daughters of revolution, but there was another coven, I would, I would best way I could put it, that they were all a, a part of. Uh, now, the women who created these five sons possessed scientific knowledge of the 12 signs of the zodiac, and which gave them enough time to educate their sons during their nine-month maturity by studying the science of astrology, uh, fear and, and, and <laughs> hypocrisy. Uh, the great cycle of nature was closed on all fiction, mythology, theology, and hypocrisy, commonly known as democracy. Now, this is why they were so adamant on burning the books and uh, keeping certain knowledge away from, from regular people. Now, Mussolini, Hitler, and Hirohito were pretty much born with the same assignment. This is the basic reason why they formed or they, they formed the Axis Triangle. This is what they went by. Okay, uh, the son of the Roman axe and the son of the German hatchet and iron cross, and the son of the sword. Now, uh, this is all for Hitler. Now, Hitler converted the Christian mystic iron cross and into the mythic, mystic uh, swastika, which we all know, and pretty much forced the Christian nations of the world to destroy their own economic and social foundations through fear and lack of knowledge and understanding. Okay, Roosevelt and Stalin were also within doubt with the same assignment as well. Or with Stalin re-educating re the masses of Russia, things of that nature. So that was like one interesting tidbit as to why they were considered the axis of evil. Getting to my next set of random notes, uh, someone had asked me over the weekend what, what the lion's paw represent. So when you entered into the, the pyramids, now this people understand what the pyramids, my pyramids are held in some high regard. So when a man turned 40, he would enter the pyramid or the pyramid school of mysteries. And go basically learn all the secret knowledge and whatever, whatnot. Uh, basically, the lion's claw, the, what the priest would do, the priest would wear a lion's head um, or the mask of a lion. And by this grip, the spirit of man, long buried in this sepulchral core substance, is raised to life. And the candidate goes forth as a builder entitled to the wages of an initiate. Okay? Uh, the three ruffians that's thought, desire, and action. These, these three, uh, actually there were three murderers, okay? And they had perverted thoughts, so um, they had un uncured emotions and destructive actions. Uh, to say the spirit of life and man and bring down the temple of creation and ruins about their own heads. Uh, in ancient mysteries, woman symbolized the emotional nature of a man uh, to define emotional excess as one of the slayers of universal en uh, energy. So the three ruffians, basically an old man, a young man, but and a, and a young woman. The old man has the ruler, the young woman has the compass, and the young man has a mallet or a hammer. And then you have the, uh, the victim basically in the cross, uh, laid out like on the cross uh, position, uh, a la Jesus rather. Okay. <laughs> um, let me see. Also, we have the guardian of the threshold. Now, the guardian of the threshold. Uh, sanctified for his labor by the realization of individual responsibility. The candidate goes forth to master his own lower nature 
the beast that must ever stand between him and the altar of his God, which is why they wear the apron or the lambskin across their genitals. Okay. Uh, these lessons were pretty much always taught in all the mystery schools, or aka the pyramids, with the pyramid uh, schooling mysteries. Um, the Pythagorean theorem basically is a three-sided triangle. Now, what they don't normally tell you a whole lot is the longest angle is called the horus or the product. And this, the squared up angle is the isis, which is a female. And then the Osiris on the bottom is the male. That's what they're called, Horus, Isis, and Osiris. This is the, like I said, the Pythagorean theorem. This is what the Greeks took from the ancient Egyptian masters and pretty much popularized it. Uh, let's see. In ancient craft masonry, it is constantly exhibited as the element of important ceremonies. The seats of the principal offer are arranged in a triangular form. The three lesser lights have the same situation and the square compass formed by their union on the greater light, two triangles meeting at their basis. In short, the equilateral triangle may be considered as one of the most constant forms of Masonic symbolism. The right angle triangle is another form of this figure which is deserving of attention. Among the Egyptians, it was the symbol of universal nature. And the base representing Osiris, or the male principle, the perpendicular Isis, or the female principle and the hypotenuse, which is Horus, their son, or the product of the male and female uh, principle. This symbol was received, received by the Pythagoreans from the Egyptians during the long surge on across the country, and with it also learned the uh, peculiar pro uh, property it's possessed, namely that the sum of the squares of the two shorter sides is equal to the square of the longer side, symbolically expressed by the formula that the product of Osiris and Isis is Horus. This figure has been adopted in the third degree of masonry will be there for recognized as the 47th problem of Euclid. Yeah. Let me see what else I got. So once again, the call-in number is 678-603-4319. Um, one, one more thing I want to bring up real quick, the, uh, the Lupe fiasco, like someone had asked me why was he wearing this, this outfit, and basically it came out of Seville, Spain, they would wear these for ceremonies, basically the long robe and the, the pointed hoods, would actually the, the, uh, the hats of the hoods would be black, and they would have the black crosses, and that pretty much, um, where the, the KKK got their inspiration from. Um, a lot of these lower level, lower vibrational uh, particular groups always take from the higher knowledge or higher self uh, occult sciences and kind of just demonize everything that way. Which is, you know, that's how you get the old in, into the uh, out the way and basically the new. All right, we got a call on the line. Call, what's going on? Hello, caller. What's up? Uh, this is Art Turner. I'm just I'm watching a live stream. I'm, I'm calling in. You hear me? Hey, what's happening? What's going on? Nothing much, man. No, it's crazy. I'm just listening to everything you was talking about, the triangles. And then you got on a Lupe. But he got a song on the last album that's called Dots and Lines. And if you listen to that song, it's so Masonic. Like, 
you know what I'm saying? Like he talk about like man, like the like the golden mean and like the turn yeah. of uh, like the turn of turning like man in the like from from man to you know to gold and the guy. So it's just crazy how you hit on all of that. Like it's crazy. You you going in tonight, man? Like for real, for real. I'm, I'm glad you uh I'm glad you you, you enlightened me too because I didn't even know about the song that uh, he had that particular song. And I I pride myself with being a Lupe fan. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on it's on a two time loop. Youth, it's called Dots and Lines, and it's like you know, it start off with like a um, like a banjo or something random at the beginning, and then they drop, and then it's like it's, it's produced nice, but it's like it's uh, I think the hook is you look like you look just like how I want to be, or sacred geometry and alignment, 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 like three angels and lines, like dots and lines, and that's exactly what he's talking about. Is like. Freemasonry. It's like, you know what I'm saying, kind of giving it to the masses. Like, it's a really good song. Like, you can play it around your parents, but it's like, you know, it'll go over most people's heads. Cool. Cool. That's what I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. Any I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's right. Yeah, no problem, bro. All right, all right. Um, let me get to my next topic. And I know I'm late with this show. Now, I know everyone used to be like, yo, American God, American God, slide that, check it out. Okay, so I finally seen, I finally watched season one. I wrapped it all up. I binge watched the hell out of it. Um, for me, the most standout God would, would be Bilquis, the sister. And I got some problems with Bilquis. Um, not so much... Um, I mean, I get the narrative, old gods versus new gods. I think it's pretty slick how stars did it. And if you're not aware of it, it's on, it's on stars. Uh, so you have Odin, you have Bilquis, you had Ananti, um, there's a couple others. And then the new gods, you had media, uh, I think television or um, technology. Technology Boy is probably the, the strongest of the new gods, I believe. You know, basically, representing a little white boy, a little hipster dude. But the Bilquis. Um, let me focus on that real quick. So, Bill Quist, <laughs> she is a goddess, and um, she has she's insecure. At the end of the day, this woman is insecure. She's worried about getting old, and she's worried about not being worshipped. Now, the common theme with these new god issues is the moment that people stop worshiping, worshiping them, they pretty much lose their power, and they cease to exist. Same a situation where you had with uh, Class and the Titans. Uh, Zeus is worried about the people not paying homage to the gods and basically forgetting the gods and they will lose their powers that way. So basically you have this this goddess who has, who has you know issues and another part of it is the less she's worshipped, the older she appears or she actually ages. Um, so when she's properly worshipped, she would in a weird way possess the men and get her youth back. But not even just so much the men. Okay, so the most telling scene is when she <laughs> she picks up she works as a prostitute. So that's the first thing that I, I instantly it rubbed me the wrong way. That of all the the characters, you had a sister being a prostitute. Like this is a goddess and she's playing a prostitute. I'm like, fine, okay, whatever. Let me let me detach myself from my feelings and just continue watching the show. So she brings from this John and it's an older white dude, whatever the case. And so she, you know, they're they're engaging sex, whatever. And her whole thing is for her to gain power uh, over you, you have to basically worship her during during sex. 
And so she asked the guy, um, hey, you know, I want you to do something for me. He's like, whatever, whatever, right? You know, I want you to worship me. And, you know, I want you to worship me and say I'm your goddess, blah, 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 blah. Of course, the white dude, is he's all in lust. And he's like, yes, I worship you and everything about you, blah, blah, blah. So the whole time, once he worship, confesses his worship for her, right, she literally starts, um, he starts sinking into her vagina, right? It is the freakiest thing, right? And the whole time, this dude is literally being encapsulated into her, her vagina. He's like, oh, my God, I love you. Oh, my God. You're the best, and I'll do anything for you. He doesn't realize he is literally being sucked into her vagina. <laughs> so after he's completely sucked in, she pushes his head, and then he goes in. He goes in feet first, and after she pushes his head in, he's like, "I love you." I'm just like, "Holy shit!" So then she takes his 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 energy, and she instantly is maybe appears ten to fifteen, twenty years younger. She looks in the mirror. She clearly is uh is younger but the weird part was when she when she brought him to her room she was like do you think i'm old and spent do i look old and spent he's like no you're the most beautiful thing i've ever seen blah, 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 blah. okay so moving on to further episodes down the road right there's this huge crazy orgy scene that she that she's that she's engaged in right so the, the crazier part was um they're all doing their thing and she's sitting at the top of the steps so all these people basically all melt in this, into this form of liquid and they all converge in this liquid form and they literally go up into Bilquis' vagina. Now I thought the image and the symbol, the, the symbology with it was very, very powerful. I get it. Uh, I know what they're saying. Yes, the woman, goddess, and creator, creator, light giver, light. I get all that. I get it. But they will always make a point to show you in the bad light, you know, like they'll give you all the gems and jewels all day long, and if it's, if you pick it up, great. But unfortunately, the fact that this particular goddess, the sister, they made her the prostitute, and now then fast forward towards the end of the season. Now I know the whole interracial thing is is you know the hot key of the day, whatever. So she ends up linking with Information Boy or Technology Boy. That's the name, Technology Boy. And she basically now does her thing to him as a, via an app. Okay, so this is this is to me for a little bit. So her old way of doing things, dates and and telephone sex, uh, things of that nature, this is the old way. Now through Technology Boy, she can expand her reach um, and and pick up more victims through an app. If what I'm saying makes sense, it's. It's slick how they do it, how they tie it in. The writing is very, very creative, extremely creative. And so she has to acquiesce to this young, this young ass white hipster. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy show, crazy show. I, I'm looking forward to season two and seeing how they uh, move forward with the sister and 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 her uh, her endeavors. Since now she's dealing with Technology Boy, uh, also one of the old goddesses was Easter, but the flip side to Easter was East, they let Easter kind of rebel, like the whole Me Too movement. They let her not bow down to, to none of the new gods, and she kind of went out on her own terms, right? There's always that 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 dichotomy that, you know, we have to submit while they get to exercise, you know, their free will and their and their power and stuff like that. So um yeah, it's it's uh it's a crazy show. It's a crazy show. 
Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, you might pick up something. You might see something that I may have missed. I was really just focused on the sister and her her, her story arc. I will get more into um, Anansi. And if those that don't remember Anansi, the old African proverb or legend, he was a spider. He was a trickster. Uh, that's where Loki, the Greek version, is based off of Anansi. And uh, basically, this, this spider guy, he can show forms of either being a spider or a man. And there's always tales and proverbs with, you know, his dealings and he tells stories and things. It's pretty good, but I'm going to focus on his, his arc. That would be my next topic or my next uh, assignment, rather. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. I know people have been bugging me. Like, have you seen the show? Have you seen the show? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Moving, moving forward now. The movie Upgrade. I'm not sure who's all seen it. If you haven't seen it, don't listen. Um, I'm going to spoil it for you. Sorry, but I'm not sorry because it's it's deep. Okay. So, um, the movie Upgrade. Basically, this white dude and his girlfriend, they get into a car wreck. And um, his woman dies. He becomes a paraplegic. I mean, he's all jacked up. He can't move. Um, blah, 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 blah. So they live in the age of technology, right? And so now everyone's either getting upgrades, whether it be um, eyes, uh, limbs, um, chips put into them. So they live in the age of technology, and everyone's into upgrades. He is an old school type of guy. He doesn't like technology. He always believes that humans are smarter than, than artificial, artificial intelligence. So he always, he's always bucking the system. Now, okay, so there's this guy. I think his name's Edward. Right, he gives. He says, "Hey, I got. I got to help you out. You know, get you back on your feet again, and basically help cure you, whatever your of your uh, paralysis. paralysis. It's a chip, and it's called STEM. The name of the chip is called STEM. S T E M. Now we know STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, but that's the name of the chip. So they always give it to you. Okay, they always give it to you. Now it's your fault if you don't pick it up. Don't and don't look, look into it. Okay, so." He's like, I don't want it, I don't want it, I want it. So Edward convinces him, convinces him to take the chip, okay? Now, when he gets the chip, the chip has to have his permission to augment him, okay? So he just can't turn it on and turn it off. If he's in trouble, he has to give the chip permission. The, the AI has to ask him, hey, do, you, do I have your permission to do this and this and that? Because, you know, when he has a chip in him, you know, the chip starts talking to him, and you know, in his, in his head, whatever. He's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. So now he realizes that his woman was murdered. So he goes looking for the killers, right? So with the chip, with the STEM chip, he's able to, look, to identify somebody with a barcode, one of the assailants or one of the people that's, that's, uh, that has something to do with his woman's uh, murder. Okay, so now this dude is completely augmented, right? Now he's, going to, he's got to go track down these other guys that also have augmentation. One guy has a, a freaking gun in his hand. This other guy has, you know, um, robotic eyes. It's, it's freaky as hell, right? So he basically finds a couple of them, pretty much getting his ass whooped. And the, the chip is like, yo, do I get permission to upgrade? He's like, yes. So that's what you see in the trailer, him getting a whooping ass. So he, he whoops ass <laughs> very efficiently. He, you know, he chokes one dude out and then he cuts his head in half. Um, okay, so moving forward, he's pretty much whacking out everybody. Okay. Now, the plot twist. Once again, I'm going to spoil this, so I do apologize, apologize for that. The plot twist is, it's STEM. The chip 
is controlling him the entire time. It's playing this dude for a fool, right? So what ended up happening was the company that produced the stem chip found out um, Edwin gave the guy the chip and all his movements were being tracked by the company. So the company had fail uh, safe in, in place to prevent the chip from being autonomous, okay? So what the stem chip did was convince his, its host to find a hacker to bypass the safe, the safe, the fail safe. The guy's thinking, yeah, this is a good thing, you know, whatever the fail safe is now, they can't, they can't shut down the, the chip when I need you, right? The whole time the chip is like, yeah, motherfucker, um, once they, once they remove this fail safe, I don't need your permission to take over you, okay? Crazy, crazy, crazy. So then the chip, <laughs> takes over and has them finish and the chip basically sent its host on a mission to kill any and everybody that ever known that ever knew of the chip's existence or had a hand in that could cause the chip harm okay so uh the guy finds out he realizes the chip has been using it okay he ended up killing the uh the guy edward that gave him the chip um, so on and so forth, a lot of running around, investigating, blah, blah, blah. But what ends up happening is the chip basically compartmentalizes uh, the host into this dream state world where him and his girlfriend are alive and they repeat this happy life all over again. Um, it's it, They stole the scene from, um, there's a movie with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker where they would go retrieve body parts for people who failed to pay their payments, right? Remember at the end of that movie, uh, Jude Law ends up helping the one girl, right? And him and Forrest Whitaker have this huge fight at the very end. And just before Forrest Whitaker slams the concrete block on the dude's head, it shows them getting away and they're on an island and everyone's all friends. And it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. They were just fighting a minute ago. We'll come to find out, uh, of course, Forrest Whitaker, you know, bash his head in or whatever. And, they uh, took out the body part that Jude owed and put him in a, a permanent stasis where he's always reliving his happy dream where they're living on the beach. Repo man, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, sister, thank you. Repo man, that's right. So in the movie, in, in Upgrade, um, Stem put its host in this perpetual um, compartmentalized state of him being with this woman, whatever, whatever. So what they're going to do is obviously they're going to set up for a secret because now Stem is free to do whatever the fuck he wants. And it's gonna just, what it's going to do now is going to go look for other augmented people and kill them off because Stem wants to be the only chip of its kind in existence. So once again, you have this AI become a self-aware and then once it becomes self-aware, then it understands or realizes that self-preservation is always, it doesn't matter what form of, of, of life you're dealing with, self-preservation will always be the rule of the law, the law of the land. That's universal law. Okay, that's just not human. That's just not animals. That is universal. It's one of the universal laws of self-preservation, regardless, okay? So they set up the sequel now that... Um, is in control. He goes out on missions to find other augmented people to, to go whack them off, basically. So now what they're inclined is that the host will somehow fight Edward or fight the stem back. 
Okay, because when when the host realized that Stem was in charge, it tried to, you know, kill itself, harm itself, you know, him, whatever, and Stem wouldn't let him do it because it caused him so much pain and anguish. He couldn't do it. So what they're going to set up the, the sequel for is that um, the host will use his human emotions to offset, to help offset and gain back control uh, from STEM. So that's that's how the sequel is going to be set up. Sorry if I spoiled it for you, everybody, but I thought the story was so, so telling, so slick with it. And But once again, AI will do what AI does. It will protect itself at any and all costs. So, um, like I said, I, I do apologize for spoiling it for everybody. Sorry. Um, if you're mad at me, you want to curse me out, uh, the number is 678603. Four three nine three. Uh, I'm gonna take a slight break. So you gotta take some calls when I get back. All right. Cool. All right. We're now tuned back in to the Morning Star Show featuring Super Slot Seventy Five. I am your gracious host, Super Slot Seventy Five. Once again, I want to give a shout out to uh, Law on the Boards and our producer Cindy Ashby. You can also find us on www.ontheweekofradio.com. We are also on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play for the repeats. Uh, you can find me on uh, on YouTube under SuperSlot75. The merchandise available is at teespring.com forward slash SuperSlot75. And as always, the calling number is 678-603-4393. All right, so a couple quick little tidbits, um, just random notes. So for those that, if you didn't know, you knew uh, the noun for race that came into the English language in the mid-1500s. From the French, which got it from the Italian word rasa, meaning species or kind. The source of rasa has never been determined, uh, or from the French old haraz, which referred to horses and mares kept for breeding, and which may be in turn connected to the word Arabic faras or horse. When a horse and donkey mate, they have a mule. The word mulatto comes from the word mule. It is used to designate which is the horse that is considered the superior part of the mule and the donkey, which is considered the inferior part. I just really learned that the other day, guys. The other day. Now, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay. The House of Windsor, Queen of England, was the Saxe-Coburg before its name was changed during uh, World War II. This is the House of Saxburg-Coburg in Germany. It was Saxe Coburg Gotha to reflect that the Goths and Visigoths uh, had inserted themselves into uh, the dark history. Uh, the origin of the word, well, the root word race is not clear. Linguists generally agree that it came to the English language from the Middle French, but there is no such agreement on how it came into the Latin based languages. Uh, the word race was first used in 1590. Uh, they suggested it derives from the Arabic. Ras, which which means the head, beginning, or origin of the Hebrew Rosh, which also has a similar meaning. <clears throat> um, let's see, other random notes. There is it. Bear with me, guys. Bear with me. I promise. I promise. Okay, so the people that's inhabiting Palestine right now. Okay, so... Um... Here it is, here it is, here it is. Okay. Once Hitler kicked out all the bankers, okay, what Hitler ended up doing was he fixed Germany's economy. 
by creating its own currency. And then uh, amicably sent 6 million Jews packing to Palestine with the Havara Agreement that supposedly uh, they came up with this lie that they all got gassed and uh, the Holocaust lie. That's where that came from. Um, it was JFK who also praised Hitler and had plans to create a new United States interest-free and debt-free currency. That was Executive Order 11110, backed by Silver Reserves, to fight uh, the Jewish order and fix the world, just as Hitler tried to do. And that's when we got the famous Hitler Society speech, blah, 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 blah. So that's where all those Jews went that supposedly got gas. Because you know at Auschwitz, it used to be 6 million. Then every few, um, maybe every 20, 30 years, they knock it down a little bit. So I think it's under a million right now as what the, uh, the new number is on, on Auschwitz. So bear with me. Um, once again, the call-in number is 678-603-4393. And, um, oh, so I went to go see uh, A Quiet Place. I know I'm hella late. Extremely late. Uh, very, very good movie. Um, I like the family dynamic. And why am I saying that? Because in this particular movie, as they always do with the white folk, they they reinforce everybody's roles in the family dynamic. The man or the husband was the protector, fisher, um, all that manly stuff that men do. The wife cooked, took care of the kids, homeschooled the kids. Oh, we got a caller on the line. Caller, what's going on with you? Who is this? Hi, what's up, man? It's Kev, man. <laughs> Kev, what's, what's going on? What's going on with you? Oh, man, nothing much, man. Just checking out the show and everything, man. How about yourself? How's it going? I'm here. I hear you. I see. Hey, man. No, I, I just called it real quick, man. I, I checked out the uh, the O'Shea show, man. I, you know, I try to catch his shows, but he has so many shows. It's just like... But I saw y'all were talking about hip hop. So I was like, all right, let me check it out. And then I saw you was on it. So I was like, okay. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but no, shout out to OJ. But yeah, I mean, can you? I mean, I wanted you to kind of give more of your thoughts on on that whole subject. You know, not you know too you know long winded on it, but you know, <laughs> kind of your I'll thoughts. You I, I thought, huh? Huh? I do you one better. You give me your thoughts, and I and I give you a rebuttal. What were your thoughts? Um. I mean, like I said, like we like we always talk about on on the late night chat. You know what I mean? It's same, you know, same thing. I mean, it's uh, it's like you say. I mean, it's trash. You know, the, you know, the music right now is trash. But I've I've learned to, like I said, grow up with the music. You know, like I said, I, I like the old school stuff. I mean, all that. that like you said about, about Pusha T being like forty some years old, talking about slinging crack and all that. I'm like, come on, dude. That's <laughs> You gotta be, you know, talk about grown folk stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know. So I No, I was gonna say that was one yeah, of the, the main points that I agree with you. But go ahead. Yeah, no, and you're right. My my main issue is I always get those that have never been in the industry that want to debate me on how this works. You know, mm -hmm. like, like I said, we all know Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson. Otis Redding, they all try to get together to do distribution. They all got some right, right. murder in some in some crazy way. 
right? And mm-hmm. then, you know, once again, we fast forward to uh, Jay Prince, uh, Irv, and, and, and Chug trying to do the same thing. Right. Like, I, it, it gets old. And then you get, and then what you end up getting, you get semi-successful black people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no one stopped right. me from doing this. I'm like, but you're not at that level. Like, you can right. be a millionaire and be a nobody at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of millionaires and nobody messes with them because they're not trying to be on, move up ranks or, or anything like that. They're cool with just being a millionaire, right? Right. And I'm being faced with these people that have never been in the business that want to tell me how the business works. And I'm just like, okay, because this is going to be a move point. It's going to be a back and forth. And, and then eventually it's, no one gets anything out of it. You know, like I right. said, I, I asked and I asked him, I said, well, how come Michael Jackson doesn't have his publishing? How come the family right. doesn't have the publishing? And they're like, these excuses, will he make up his money? It didn't matter. It, the, the publishing was worth billions. You couldn't outspend, right. couldn't outspend the publishing because you're making money every day because someone's always playing the music somewhere, some shape, shape, form, or fashion. You couldn't outspend right. what the publishing was worth. And then, and I'm trying to, and you know, I want logical answers, but I can never get it, you know? So, but that, that's my point. That was my thing on hip hop is devolved. Yeah, and I was gonna, and I, and I agree with you too because he, I guess he was basically saying that everybody was, you know, all these artists were lazy and these, you know, these A and R's or whatever were lazy. And that, like you said, that's not the case. Cause like you said, it's, like you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a level that you get to the way, like, okay, all right, we ain't gonna let these niggas get, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna say like that. We ain't gonna let these guys, you know, get to that that point where they control the distribution, which. You know, I mean, you know, with the distribution, they can always like all with all those recordings or whatever. They could, you know, remaster it and you know, or, you know, reissue it out and make just keep making money, like you know, over and, and over again. So you know, they yeah, they don't let us do that. You know, you cut out the them as being a middleman. That's it, and that that's what it, it's all about control at the, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it wasn't like like you said, you're lazy. You're I was like, nah, that's. And like you said, that point with with um, that point with uh, like you said with Michael Jackson publishing, and then with Prince, you know, uh, eventually they did they this, did Warner Brothers get the uh, get the the they went back the, to the, 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 yeah. They gave they gave his siblings a couple, a couple of dollars, but it all went back to Warner because they they're releasing they're making a new Prince album, Greatest Hits, uh, coming out I think next year. So you always know when they when they publish it back, here comes the greatest hits album, and here comes the, the the songs on the TV and the commercials all over again. Yeah, right. And you know, like I said, I, I got you know a lot of those brothers' points, man. But I mean, a lot of them have some good points. But like you said, I mean, with, especially with the distribution thing, man. It's and, and I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going to happen, man. With it's like we you know we us as blacks gonna be owning our own stuff. I, I can't see it happening. <laughs> Not on that level. You know, yeah, not on that level. People, people, yeah, you can sit here and tell me Master P, but when's the last time you seen Master P on a major platform? Like on, on, you know, you you haven't. You know, he still has right. no limit. But Nate from the, from the new No Limit right now that came out that we that, that dropped an album. You're not going to be able to. You can't. You know, right? But it is with those guys that disagree to disagree at the end of the day. And I keep it respectful. Yeah, and, and like you said, I, I I agree also, man. With hip hop, I just feel like. It's really no saving it. It's 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 pretty much down to shoot. You know what I mean? I I just say, man, if if you're an artist or whatever, just get in it. I mean, if you got what kind of you know, however art you want to show or skills you got, and just say, hey, I'm a 
you know, it's kind of like saying like, just, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get my money and be out. It's kind of, you know, do what you got to do and then and be out. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do. Hip hop is gone. It's, you know, or really good music, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, that was, you know, basically you know, kind of my points on, um, um, on, on that, on the O'Shea show. But also last, I mean, how, and I know you didn't really get to go more into detail about it with the uh, DJ Vlad uh, comment about him being a culture vulture. <laughs> What's your... Um, if, you, if you give the culture, if you you give it to him, I don't understand. Like, how are you going to criticize Vlad if, two, like I said, two of his best friends are Lord Jamar and Trey D. Right. Like, how, where is the culture vulturing? Where is that at? How does that work? You know, because he's not the only one. You got guys like Jordan Hightower, they do the same thing. You know? So, right. I don't understand if you give him access, if you break the neck to get to, to on, a, on his couch, how, how is he vulturing anything? When you're knocking right. on his door to get to sit on his couch to get interviewed. It makes no sense. Right. And, and plus, I, I give Vlad a dude. Plus, you know, he was a DJ, and so he he was like in the culture. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, he was doing the DJ thing, and he kind of like, you know, did you know doing the podcast thing now, making the money. So I mean, he was basically kind of in. But I mean, if him being white, he is, you know, he does get kind of some perks with it. But I mean, he's still at the end of the day. I feel like he, I mean, hey, he's doing his thing. I mean, you can't really, you know, get mad at him, right. or you know, or you know what I mean. So. But yeah, like I said, huh? they run. They run to him. So I don't. I, I, I'm not gonna waste some time getting them back with the dude. <laughs> man, but yeah, that was all, man. Because I, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was listening to. It. I was like, man, I was like, man, I want to get on so bad, but uh, you know. <laughs> but I, I saw you. You know, you had your show tonight. Right? Let me call later on and see what Sly got. You know, say about it. And I That's what's up. I appreciate. Yeah, no problem, man. Um. I'll go ahead and turn it over to the next call or whatever, man. Always slide. Appreciate it. I'll holler back at you, bro. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Y'all be easy. All right, family. Go. Hey. All right, that's my man, Kev. Kev Jones. So, um, yeah, getting back to uh, The Quiet Place. Um, so, what stuck out to me, like I said, everybody had their roles, uh, mainly the mother and the father. And there was one scene in the movie where after uh, she had the baby, they're downstairs in, in the basement of the, of the barn house, wherever or whatnot. And she's like, you know, you have to protect them. Like she made it a point to remind him of his place. Like you have to protect the children. That's it. That's all. And not one time did she ever usurp his role not one time did he ever usurp her role everybody had their dynamic and everybody played their part and it worked and they were surviving and living of course you know the dad dies i mean it was a, like i said it was a great movie i just i just hate that the family dynamic is never portrayed and in, in, in with us on on screen like it is with them because um like i said he was he was a manly man you know took, took the son out for like an, an initiation because the son was so freaked out by seeing the, the creatures and, and you know when they killed whatever um so he took the boy out to the to the river and he was learning he's teaching the boy how to survive and and at first the boy didn't want to go and the mother said no you have to go 
learn these things so you can help take care of me, me and your sisters. You know, so once again, the mother reinforcing everybody's goals and reminding them what they have to do, especially when it came to the man and the son dynamic. So he took him out to the, the, the dad took the son out to the river or whatever and teaching them how the creatures can, they were safe next to the river and the waterfall because it made so much noise. There was a whole basic, whole acoustic thing going on with, with the creatures. Um, I'm not gonna get into the plot holes, but uh, I, 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 I like, that part of it. I, I like the fact that they reinforced the family aspect, especially with the men, because you know, right now it's it's almost not cool being a manly man in, in today's uh, day and age. But, and you know, him, he, the, 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 the dad had a beard, so that's another masculine trait, you know. So, um, like I said, I, I like the movie. I just, I like the family dynamic being reinforced in this particular movie, and especially that the mother, you know, made sure that this is what you do, you know. I do what I do, you do what you do. So, uh, once again, the call-in number is 678-603-4393. Uh, let me see who's going in the chat real quick. You guys are really going in the chats. Um, okay, so Lord Jamar has been compromised. I'm not going to say he's been compromised. All I'm saying is my point with... with with the whole DJ Vlad thing, like I said, we've all seen Vlad come up through the ranks throughout the years. Now, was he planted there? Possibly. You could say the same thing for Leo Cohen, whatever the case may be. But, like I said, it's kind of ironic that, his, you know, he's a Russian Jew, that two of his best friends would, one would be a hip-hop OG pioneer, and the other one's like, a, you know, a crypt OG, you know, that being tradie. So, like I said, exactly where is the culture vulturing coming in from? Especially if those guys don't feel that they're, they're the issue. Wait a minute. I, I'm sorry if I spoiled the movie. My bad, y'all. <laughs> um, and, and once again, how how is he a culture vulture if you draw validation from him interviewing you? Like I said, did we not see Big Meech's son be interviewed on Vlad? So once again, where is the culture vulturing on Vlad's part at? I need people to be accountable when it comes to these issues. I, I get it. It's emotional. And people get and the people love hip hop and they're upset about how the the, the the direction of hip hop. I get all that, but at the same time, you gotta hold us accountable for giving away the culture. You know, I mean, if you've been to, if you go to Japan, they grow dreadlocks and and, and they and they tan themselves to be a really really dark complexion. Is that culture vulturing too? Are you gonna get mad at, at the Asian kids that do that? So if you're gonna call it, call it all the way down the middle. You know. So that, that's my thing with the, with the whole Vlad uh, situation. I don't waste the energy because it's not worth it at the end of the day. I mean, if you're going to get upset about something, be upset about, you know, Pusha T being 41, still talking about Coke rap. I don't care how I don't care how fire the album, the album was. At the end of the day, you have this man in his 40s pushing the same narrative he's been pushing for the last 15 years. Okay, so, but that's, that is my take on that. Uh, once again, call in number 678-603-4393. Oh, also, I, I want to clarify my point with the, uh, with the costumes of the, uh, the Spaniards. It was from 1490, and the ritual was called Corpus Christi. So as you get Corpus Christi, Texas, that's, it was named for, for that particular um, 
for that particular um, ritual, rather. And like I said, it was white robes with black pointed tops. Um, let me see. Let me go back to my notes. Bear with me. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Since 1460 AD, uh, the Seville Spaniards had been wearing in religious procession on Feast of Corpus Christi a white robe and hood uh, similar to the Ku Klux Klan that's which originated 428 years later. So we're talking 420 years after the fact. Okay. Now there's one one more note I want to go over. It's called the Satyr Square. Now the Satyr Square is a skull, right? It's got a bunch of uh, letters in like almost like a puzzle-like fat form of fashion. Okay, it's called the Satyr Square. S A T O R. Okay, so now the it's a 16th, 17th century skull. Okay, the Satyr Square is a word square containing a Latin palindrome featuring the words Satyr, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Botas, written in a square so that they may be able to read top to bottom, bottom to top, left to right, and right to left. That is what a palindrome is, okay? The translation is, the farmer Arepo has works, wheels, or a plow. That is the farmer's use of his plow as his form of work, okay? Now, um, let me see, let me see. Okay, so the, the, sores, the sower holds the works and the wheels by means of water okay now the Saturn square is a four times palindrome and it has been attributed to magical properties okay it's considered one of the broadest magical formulas in the occident okay um let's see it was reported that the palindromes were viewed as being immune to tampering by the devil who would become confused by the repetition of the letters, and hence their popularity in magical and alchemical use. I've seen this before in old girl's house, and y'all know what I'm talking about when I say old girl. I didn't know what the hell it was, and uh, uh, of course she wasn't gonna tell me because that's just how she was, but that is what basically the Saturday Square is. Um, so it prevents the devil or a demon from possessing their loved one or possessing the body of this particular skull. Because uh, you know, a lot of, in the old days, family members would keep skulls of their dead relatives and to prevent a possession or a, um, a spirit to attach itself to that particular to, to that particular skull, they would carve the Saturn Square on the top of the skull. So, but yeah, uh, that was just my, that one particular note about the Saturn Square. So once again, you guys got questions, don't be shy. The number is 678-603-4393. All right. And um, I want to thank, once again, thank everybody for uh, for joining me tonight. Once again, shout out to uh, to Ron the Boards. Our producer, Cindy Ashby. You can find us on www.onthewakeupradio.com. Once again, we are on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, you can find me on uh, on uh, YouTube, Superfly75. Merchandise is available from, like, at teespring.com forward slash Superfly. So, with that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, once again, I want to thank everybody. I hope you guys learned something from it. I hope I'm able to help enlighten some people about some things that maybe they didn't know, some things they've already known, just kind of reconfirmed everything. 
So once again, I thank everybody for your time and energy, and I will see you guys on the next show. All right, peace. Have a good one. Imperial Media Collective. Cindy Ashley Production. On the wake up.